0: time for our 2024 farm system previews what kind of help do the colorado rockies have coming from their farm system let's talk about it you are locked on mlb prospects part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, Welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com locked on to get started and claim your $150 in free bonus bets. Okay, so talking about the Colorado Rockies, a team that went 59 and 103 last year, right? Last place in the National League West. That's why they're first in this show. We're going to go all the way to the winners of the NOS, and then we'll do the American League next week. But looking at some of the top prospects in the system, a guy we've talked about on the show before is Adele Amador, the, the shortstop middle infielder. I want to get to him. But the guy that I'm most excited about in this system, and I might be the high person on him, which is fine, but Jordan Beck, the 2022 first rounder out of the University of Tennessee, very has been very impressed with what he's been able to do. 126 games between high A and double A for Jordan Beck, 271, 364, 503, 25 home runs, 61 total extra base hits, again in 126 games, so that is very strong. 73 walks to 142 strikeouts. Just a little bit over one a game. 20 of 25 on stolen bases. The thing with Jordan Beck, and you see this with a lot of this farm system. A lot of these position players in this farm system are guys that are very good defenders that Colorado, it feels like Colorado's trying to teach them how to hit. And the image of this is, At the Major League levels, Brenton Doyle. He was, I believe, the best defender by outs above average in all of Major League Baseball last year. He also had a bottom five WRC plus or whatever offensive metrics you want to use. Atrocious hitter, amazing defender. Jordan Beck is a little bit different than that because I feel like he is for power hitter that is a decent defender. Uh, He has... Like a higher floor as a hitter. To me, he is a guy that if everything broke could be a 30 home run, 20 stolen base kind of guy, right? He could be a a 30-20 guy. His swing decisions are pretty good. He does have some swing and miss in the zone. And it's something where, again, we talk about natural hitters versus guys who have to work at it. He's a guy that has to work at it. Again, the good swing decisions are good, but the overall ability to make contact is i it's probably a 45 or so grade. There is risk here. Power-wise, though, the power is absolutely there. He has very good contact, especially when he pulls the ball. And a lot of the contact for Jordan Beck is optimized to get the most uh, distance, to get home runs out of what he does. Good launch angles, pulls the ball really well. So the power hitting thing is there. He can play all three outfield positions. His speed's above average. His arm's above average. It feels like, especially in this system, there's going to be a better defender than him, and he's going to end up having to move to a corner. He can play either one. The arm is good enough. And so I would imagine he's probably going to do double A to triple A this year. I don't know where he'll start, but either way, I am very high on Jordan Beck. He's not the number one prospect in the system, but he's the most interesting one to me because he has the highest ceiling as far as power potential and ability to to do something special in, in Colorado. When you're talking about the top prospects, obviously, like I said, a Adele Amador is probably the top prospect in the system. I believe that's who Baseball America has listed. I haven't looked at their thing recently. But 2019 IFA, they paid him $1.5 million. He did lose some time last season because of a broken hammock bone in his right hand. So, opened up in high A, broke the bone in June, came back in August, and was activated and sent straight to Double A. And this is weird. His season started off late. Because of some sort of undisclosed injury. So missed a lot of time. Only got in, it's a nice sample, about 69 games between rookie ball, high A, and double A. 287, 380, 495. 12 home runs, 30 extra base hits, 39 walks to 37 strikeouts, and 15 of 20 on stolen bases. Adele Amador is very much the exception to some of the rules about... These guys being very good defenders and not being good hitters. He is a very good hitter uh, from a strikeout and walk rate perspective. He's dropped that every single year. I want to say he, he lowered the walk rate from 21 to 23. It went from 13.5%. It only dropped to about 12. The strikeout rate went from 14.5% to 10. So it's legitimately a, I've seen 60 to 70 grade hit tool. End zone contact rate, 94%. Overall contact rate, 89%. Like some of the best grades for the quality of the hit tool in all of the minors. Now, some of the issue with this is the power potential. I don't necessarily know how much power potential is there. Some of that is just pure strength that he has, right? I don't know how much pure strength he has, but some of it is also his ground ball rate. It hit 55% last year. And obviously you had a little bit of injury issues with the hand and all of that. But the it's something where he has good speed, he can play short, he can play second. Obviously, because you have Ezekiel Tovar at short and he looked very good defensively, Amador is a good choice to come up and play second base for you. I think he could be up as soon as 2024, depending on how he gets started when he gets back into the full season ball this season. I I would expect him to start off in double A Hartford versus Triple A Albuquerque, but again, Adele Amador, probably the number one prospect in the system from a pure a pure ability, a baseball ability perspective. Fantasy baseball is probably where you're looking at Jordan Beck being above him simply because of Beck's potential with both power and speed. When you talk about power, you have to talk about Yankeel Fernandez, another guy we've discussed on this show quite a bit. Somebody that, 2019 IFA, same class as Amador, but Yanko Fernandez only got $295,000. And the thing here is he absolutely crushes the ball. 117 games last year in the low minor. So, single A Fresno, high A Spokane, double A Hartford for Yanko Fernandez. 265, 313, 486. 25 home runs, 53 extra base hits. 32 walks to 132 strikeouts, one for two on stolen bases. Can just absolutely mash. The raw power is absurd. The issue is, it's raw power at the expense of everything else, right? He doesn't run well. He doesn't defend well. The hit tool itself isn't that great. And so... Very aggressive hitter and aggressive in a system that's full of aggressive hitters. A lot of these guys are aggressive hitters, and he's still more aggressive than all of them. And so you like, he really has to show a growth in his ability to make contact or better swing decisions before Yankee or Fernandez can see this home run potential pay off on the field, especially because he's not going to give you much of anything else. He's not going to give you defense. He has a, his arm is pretty decent, right? But like he genuinely, I'm, I think I've been maybe understating his issues here. Swing decisions, he swings more than half of the time. There's your aggressiveness, 56%. His contact percentage is below 70%. It's legitimate. It may be lower than a 40 hit tool. It's legitimate contact concerns. The approach is way too aggressive. Again, the power is fantastic. Obviously, it'll play up even more in course Field. But Yankeel Fernandez has got to figure that out. I'm not as high on him as a lot of other places in the prospect apparatus. I've seen places where he's the number three, number four prospect in the system. I've got him, if I had to put numbers on it, probably in the back half of the top 10. Uh, but I wanted to at least bring it up because he's going to be one of those players that people always ask about. What about Yankeel Fernandez? He had a kind of a breakout. Yeah. The production, he had 25 home runs and 53 extra base hits. Yeah, he also struck out 132 times. So let's temper expectations a bit here. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the players you might see at the Major League level in 2024. We, also, we already discussed Adele Amador, but there's others. We'll talk about them next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. You don't have to pick a winner this time. So when you get all of that, you can then jump on over to the MLB odds. Right now, the Colorado Rockies plus 12,000 to win the NL West. This might be one of the tightest divisions as far as the odds go, L.A. is obviously the favorite. The Dodgers minus 350. Diamondbacks at plus 750. Padres at plus 900. Giants at plus 1000. Rockies are a long shot, but obviously if you do it, you get, it's a little bit of fun there if they have, if they somehow end up doing that and winning that. So uh, go to Fanduel.com Again, fanduelcom slash locked on. Make your first bet uh, to get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so looking at Colorado Rockies players you might see in 2024. I've got uh, three or four names here. First one is first baseman Hunter Goodman. He's in a really interesting spot, and he's probably not going to be up right away because you're going to need to have some sort of injury create room for him. I'll explain that in a second. So fourth rounder in 2021 out of University of Memphis, 106 games between AA and AAA last year and 23 in the majors. So for Hunter Goodman in the minors, 259, 338, 581, 34 home runs and 64 extra base hits. And fun fact about Hunter Goodman over the last two seasons combined, he leads minor league baseball with 70 home runs. The power is real. 45 walks to 115 strikeouts last year, 0 for 1 on stolen bases. Uh, In his major league call-up, didn't go great. Batted 200, 247, 386, one home run, eight extra base hits, although somehow three triples, which I haven't gone back and watched the triples, but I'm really curious how that happened. Five walks to 24 strikeouts, 1 for 1 on stolen bases. Uh, He's played all over, right? He caught 13 games out of those 106 of the minors. He played first base, he played left field, he played right field. He feels like the guy uh, warranted or not, he feels like the the guy who gets a shot when Chris Bryant gets hurt. And I nothing against Chris Bryant. I he's a wonderful person from what I understand. He's been hurt in recent years and if that happens again, Hunter Goodman's the guy who's going to be the beneficiary of that available playtime because again, Corner outfield, first base, base—that's that those are all things that Chris Bryant's been playing and projects to play in 2024. He hit lefties a lot better than righties, so there is an option for a platoon thing there. But in the minors, his brief call-up, it didn't go well. 200, 247, 386 for Hunter Goodman in 23 games. Again, one home run. So uh, something where he's been able to his strikeout rates stayed under control. He struck out like twenty percent of the time in college, and it's only ticked up a little bit in the minors, like 1% or 2%. He still runs around a 25% strikeout rate. At this point, Hunter Goodman is what, what is what you get. It's I think he's a promising player. I don't necessarily know if he's a difference maker on a contending team, but in a second division team, you can afford to give him some run. And again, he feels like he's your Chris Bryant replacement if or when, depending on how cynical you are, Bryant gets hurt. Left-hand pitcher Carson Palmquist is a guy that I've always really enjoyed going all the way back to when he was at Miami and he was the closer. And then they said, no, we're going to move Carson Palmquist to the rotation for his final year. And that's fine. It worked out. So third rounder in 2022, 19 games last year between high A and double A, and he's one of those weird guys that did fine in Spokane, which not many people do. Combined slash line for Carson Palmquist, 7-4 with a 390 ERA in 92 and a third innings. 134 strikeouts, so 13.1 per nine, to thirty seven walks, 3.6 per nine, and 13 home runs allowed, 1.3 per nine innings. The thing about Carson Palmquist is The velocity isn't amazing, right? His fastball sitting low to mid nineties, he has a sweeper, he has a changeup, but he throws from a low arm slot. He's like a, he's almost a pure side armor as a lefty. And so the velocity plays up a little bit because one, he's left-handed two, it's a side arm slot. So the extension's a little bit better and the release points just Unusual, it's really low, you get that vertical approach angle, all that good stuff we talked about in the past. Uh, But also, it's just a harder package to pick up, right? Out of the hand, it's harder to pick up what Carson Palmquist is doing. The actual pitches themselves aren't necessarily amazing, but it's the combination of the package, the extension, the release point, uh, just makes it all deceptively funky and and effective for Carson Palmquist, right? So feels like if things go well when the season starts, he's a guy, uh, Colorado likes to let guys skip quickly through Albuquerque. He's a candidate to come up from Hartford and make starts, probably a back end of the rotation guy, especially in 24. But you can see the potential, especially if, He's only 23 years old, especially if you can get a little bit more velocity out of that or a little bit better movement on some of these pitches. Uh, catcher Drew Romo, uh, a guy i fully expect to debut in 24, the first rounder in 2020 out of high school, 95 games last year between A AA and AAA, 295, 317, 445, 13 home runs, 35 extra base hits for Drew Romo, 29 walks to 71 strikeouts. 6 of 13 on stolen bases. The bar is very low for a catcher, right? We don't expect catchers to do much. But he's a guy, one, he's a switch hitter. I feel like he's better as a lefty, but he can bat competently from both. I say that. I feel like he's much better as a lefty, but he can do whatever from both sides. Spent most of the time in Double A. Strikeout rate was 20% or so, so you're happy with that. Really good with contact in the zone. Got better at not chasing throughout the season. And so, like, power's not amazing, right? Power's average. But, one, Colorado, your power, whatever power you have, plays up at Coors Field. And two, again, the bar at catcher is so low for most things. I could see him coming in. If he hit his 90th percentile outcome, I could see him batting... 250 to 260 with 20 home runs. Stolen bases really should not be a part of his game. Again, uh, he was 6 of 13 last year, so maybe he stopped trying to do it, but five stolen bases feels like it's reasonable for anybody who doesn't have 20 grade speed in this offensive environment. So I fully expect him to debut in 24. I think he'll hold his own once he makes the adjustments to the major leagues that all prospects have to do when they first get called up. A guy to watch for, unrated guy. I expect him to debut in 24 despite some not great stats in the minors. Relief pitcher Angel On Angel Chiavelli. Not sure how you say his name, as is tradition for this show. We're going to get it wrong. But uh, pure reliever, but has some good stuff. Has three pitches. I felt like they probably could have tried him as a starter, and they've kept him in relief Fastball has great velocity, sits around 99 or so, has some, some, some good run to it to the arm side, throws a tight slider, he can get a swing and miss on it, he can get guys to chase it, so he can throw it in the zone and you won't hit it, or he can take it out of the zone and you'll chase it, and then has a changeup that moves like a splitter, sits in the mid-80s. He's only really into velocity bands because the slider and the changeup are around the same speeds, but again, they have different movements. And then, fastball works really well with that arm side movement to help prevent homers and things like that. Guys with pure four-seamers struggle in Colorado in this farm system, and it feels like Chaville's technically throwing a four-seamer, but the movement that it has, I feel like it survives a little bit better. So uh, again, some, some iffy stats in the minors. Oftentimes with relievers, you'll see that you get blown up one time and your slash line's messed up for the year, but A guy who I feel like is going to be able to debut in 2024 and should be an effective at least medium leverage option who could move into a high leverage option as he gets familiar in the majors. In just a minute, let's talk about some of the lower level prospects. Guys, we don't expect to debut in 24, but guys you should know about out of the system, including our dart throws. We'll talk about them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Final segment of Locked Lockdown MLB Prospects here on the Colorado Rockies 2024 Farm System Preview. And again, we're going over low, low minors prospects that you need to know about. Some of these guys are top prospects. Some of them are not. Uh, one of the most exciting players in the organization and probably one of the guys with the highest ceiling is outfielder Robert Calais. Uh, 6'2", 200, he was an IFA, he was the star of their IFA class in 2023, signed for 1.7 million, and unlike a lot of players, showed really effective power in the DSL. A lot of these young guys, these 16, 17-year-olds, you're banking on power potential, but in 43 games in the DSL, 325, 423, 561. 7 home runs, 21 extra base hits, again in 43 games, 22 walks to 43 strikeouts, 6-6 six to six on stolen bases. Contact in the zone, 83%. 90th percentile exit velocity of 107.2 as a teenager. Now, DSL pitching is not the best in the world, but that kind of power, it doesn't matter if it's okay pitching, below average pitching, whatever. Like, Because if a pitcher's bad, you're not going to magically hit the ball that much harder. The power is real. Now, the questions we have are, this year he will move stateside. He will, I I guarantee you, be in rookie ball for most of the year, and then they'll kick him out to probably to Fresno towards the end of the season. The questions you're going to be looking for, one, is his hit tool good enough when he faces... Domestic pitching, right? Better than what you're going to see in the DSL. Is the hit tool good enough? He struck out about once a game in the DSL. What happens over here? So that's question number one. Question number two Athletically, can he stick in center field or is he going to have to move to a corner? I don't have a lot of insight onto this because I haven't seen a lot of him, but that's going to be the big questions you're going to watch for. Probably has, again, the highest upside of anybody in this class, but there's so many questions like you have for every guy that comes out of the Dominican. Pitching, top prospect Chase Dollander. you're going to see him actually pitch at an affiliate this year. The number nine overall pick last year out of Tennessee did not pitch. It's a really interesting four-pitch mix that, again, we did not see after the draft. Four-seam fastball sits mid to upper 90s. He can touch 99 with it. He's got a cutter-ish kind of slider sits in the upper 80s. He's got a, a changeup in the mid-80s, got some decent fade to it, and an upper 70s curveball with some two-plane break. So he's got four different velocity bands there because he's got upper 80s, mid-80s, upper 70s, and mid to upper 90s. He's got different directions of movement, the fastball, the cutter, the changeup, the curveball, lots of different... He has all of the tools. His 22 in college was much better than his 23, and we don't know why. He didn't pitch after the draft. Again, we don't know why. The easy speculation to make would be there was an injury that he played through in college and was rehabbing after the draft. We don't know anything. That's all speculation, but we'll get to see him next year. Watch for him. A guy that we unfortunately won't see until the end of the year, but someone who I'm very interested in is right hand pitcher Gabriel Hughes, 2022 first rounder out of Gonzaga, had Tommy John surgery. In July of this year, or this is January, July of 2023. So was pitching okay from the peripherals, but not from the ERA when it happened. Between high A and double A, 14 games, 6-5 and five with a 6-2-1 ERA in 66 and two-thirds innings, 83 strikeouts to 26 walks. But again, Tommy John, so when he comes back, probably towards the end of the year, What does the stuff look like? He was a fastball, slider, cutter, change kind of guy. What does it look like when he comes back? I don't know. But Palmquist, Dollander, Hughes are probably three of the pitchers with the highest potential ceilings amongst most people that are in this system right now. Not everybody, but a lot of them there. Talking about guys who missed time, Jordy Vargas also had Tommy John surgery, another right-handed pitcher in the system. He had it in, I think, July. And they've already said he's going to miss all of 24. So you may not see him until 25. But another, he's a fastball, curveball, changeup guy. Another guy you'll you'll see maybe on a mound at the end of the year, probably in 25. Cole Carrick is a really interesting prospect because I don't know what he's going to play. He fits that role we talked about earlier of they take super athletic defenders and... Try to get them to hit, right? So second rounder out of San Diego State got 36 games between rookie ball and A ball. And he did hit in that small sample, 350, 408, 600, five home runs, 20 extra base hits. Again, 36 games, 20 extra base hits, 13 walks to 33 strikeouts, 13 to 16 on stolen bases. I'm impressed that he was able to keep his strikeout rate under 20% when he got to Fresno, Something where you never know what that initial appearance is going to look like. And when he was in college, uh, he, again, at, at San Diego State, you, he didn't have tons of strikeout problems, but I could see something like this happening when he faced better competition than what you normally see in the Mountain West. The reason I'm curious to watch him and see what happens, is I want to know where he's going to play. In his debut, In those 36 games, and these numbers don't quite add up exactly to 36 because of guys, because of him playing multiple positions in a game, but 15 games in center field, 10 games at shortstop, seven games at catcher, and five DH appearances. So he played center field, shortstop, and caught like all up the middle premium defensive positions. So I'm really curious to see what their plans are for him and how they're going to use him in 2024, because depending on where he settles and where his bat comes in, he could be a very valuable piece of this team. And you have a lot of guys here who have dabbled in catching Hunter Goodman. Like we said, he caught 13 games in the minors this year. Two guys to watch out for kind of the dart throws here that they're not rated on prospect lists that I've seen, but based on their stuff, based on their performance last year, you could see them hit prospect list this year, uh, a lefty and a righty. And I know the concept of a Rockies pitcher hitting the prospect list seems ridiculous, but let's just go with this here. So Michael Prosecchi, lefty, 2022 sixth rounder out of Louisville. He converted to starting. He was a reliever for the most part at Louisville. Converted to starting last year, spent most of the year in Fresno, 21 games. Put up a 2.72 ERA, completely just blew past any innings limits that he or any innings maxes that he had before. Just was a full time starter. Throws a four pitch mix, so he's got everything. None of them are amazing from what I've seen. Some of that could just be some of the camera angles and things like that. But really interested to see what they can do converting him from a reliever to a starter. Does he stick? Where would he come in a rotation? If he were to make MLB, intrigued to watch Michael Prosecchi this year. Another dart throw kind of guy here, right-hand pitcher Jared Candy. I'm assuming it's pronounced Candy, C-A-N-D-E. Assuming it's pronounced Candy. 2021 17th rounder out of Florida Southern. But when you go and you look at his outings, he spent the whole year in Spokane. So he was in high A, April through August, in his 19 starts, he went four and four with a 3 2 5 ERA through over 100 innings, 109 strikeouts in those 105 and a third innings to 26 walks. So 9.3 strikeouts per 9. But the things that really intrigued me about uh, Jared Candy is one, the whip was, you know, 115, which not bad, but he would go deep into games. We've talked so much about pitching prospects who are adjusting to the minor leagues adjusting to pitching every five days versus once a week. And when you go look at his pitch counts, his lowest pitch count on the season is 74 pitches. Most games, he was pitching in the mid-80s up to 100 pitches. His max was against the Vancouver Canadians in June. He threw 104 pitches. Now, it was only six and two-thirds innings, five hit Five hits, one run, no walks, nine strikeouts. So he can throw plenty of pitches. If he can get a little more efficient, he's got a four pitch mix. He's got good pitch ability. It's just how efficient can he be? Can he get deeper into games? But the stuff is there. Obviously, he is the conditioning's there. The workhorse mentality is there. It's just how much can you improve the stuff to make him into a you know, back into middle of the rotation kind of option. So I really think if he comes in and he spent the off season in a pitching lab and all of a sudden that slider's looking a lot more filthy and things like that, or has more velocity on the fastball, you may see him shoot up the prospect lists in 2024. Fantastic week this week. Reminder, we are doing six days a week because we are doing our farm system previews. I believe the San Francisco Giants are tomorrow for going in order of divisional finish. Uh, we're going to get the west and we're going to get the central and the east is going to be last so in the meantime we're still doing the monday mailbags if you have questions for us i'm on twitter at crosby baseball shows on twitter at locked on farm there's a link tree in the episode description in the show notes it has access to everything else a discord subtext email whatever it might be until next time remember it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer